And understand that that expectation of hope went all the way back to the Garden of Eden when hope was lost. God had to restore hope to mankind. And, and as things went along, it gets to this guy named Abraham. How many of you have ever heard of the guy named Abraham? Amen. He's actually known as the father of our faith. And it gets to this man named Abraham who's willing to believe and trust in God and go the way that God has called him. And as a result of that, Abraham's actions restores faith for all of us. Why? Because the promise that God made to Abraham is a promise that is fulfilled in each and every one of us. Amen? See, his promise to Abraham was this. Abraham had no offspring. And Abraham complained to God about that. He had no hope for, for his uh, lineage, if you will, for his life to continue because there was no one to carry that on. And God takes him outside of his tent. And he tells him to look at the stars in the heavens. And he said, just as the stars are in the heavens, so will your children be. This is how many children you're going to have. Too many to count. You and I are part of that number uh, known as Abraham's seed. That, that's called the seed of faith. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we become children of Abraham. Amen? Amen. If you will, the children of God through the promise. Now, I shared that because I want to read from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 20 this morning. And understanding that that's what this is speaking about, you have a little bit of the background so that you can understand where I'm going when I, when I read this. And what I'm going to share with you today under Advent hope is I want to share three attributes of hope this morning. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20 says, God also bound himself with an oath. I mean, think about it. God binds himself to an oath to mankind so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. It wasn't just a promise. It was an oath that that promise would be fulfilled. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. It's not just a hope we have. It is a hope that lies before us. Uh, there's always more of God than you've ever experienced. There's more of God than you've ever tasted. There's, there's greater things that lie ahead of you than you've already experienced with God. So hope produces even greater hope. Amen? Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you one of the passages uh, in this area of Scripture where it's talking about Abraham said, uh, in hope he hoped. That, that, that it was the hope that God gave him. In other words, God bestowed upon him hope, and as a result of the hope that God gave him, he was, the, he was able to hope all the more for what God promised him. It's the same for us, that when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have this hope and assurance that what he did on the cross and gives to us as a gift, that that gives us an even greater hope that not only has Messiah come to save us, but Messiah is, if you will, coming back as the reigning king. He's still Messiah, but he's the reigning king that will receive us unto himself for all eternity. Amen? Amen. And so we have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. 
He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, now on this, just think for a moment, right? Uh, I've talked about it many times, that, that understanding the tabernacle or the temple that was built, the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly temple, that there is a curtain that existed. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that that curtain was, was, was torn from top to bottom. That what happened was, is, is Jesus made a way for us to come in, to access, to come boldly before the throne of God's grace and obtain the mercy that we need. See, grace that is given. We can't get to mercy unless we've got grace to get there. Christ dies on the cross, and what he does is he rents the veil. He tears the veil from top to bottom, giving us open access to come to God. We no longer, we no longer have to wait outside in this hope that Messiah will make a way. No, Messiah has made a way, and now we can enter into that hope with even greater hope of his second coming, his second advent, if you will. It's because of the first advent that we have salvation. It's the second uh, advent that brings the fullness of that salvation. No longer will we contend with this flesh. No longer will we, will we struggle in this life, but when we're received into eternity, uh, God wipes away every tear, takes away every sorrow. All those things are gone, and we are with the Lord forevermore. Amen? Amen. So, so when you think of the, the, by the order of Melchizedek, in the order of Melchizedek, now, understanding in the story of Abraham, the Bible talks about how he went uh, to battle and he, he won victory, but rather than look at himself and say, look at what I did for myself, or look at what other people who went with me did for me, the Bible says that he came back from his battle and what he did is he gave a tenth of everything. He gave a tithe to the Lord, right? The Bible says, gave to Melchizedek, right? A priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, is who Jesus was. And understand, Melchizedek is an Old Testament, uh, if you will, type and shadow of Christ. Abraham gives to Melchizedek in worship of God. Amen? He acknowledges that everything he has is because of God. If he has any hope, it's not because of himself, it's because of God. So Christ, or the promise that was made to Abraham, is fulfilled through God giving us his one and only son, to die on our behalf. Amen? And so, here, listen to what 1 Timothy 1.1 says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. Of Christ Jesus our hope. Paul there is actually saying, not only is Jesus our hope, but Jesus is hope. That if we have any, if we have any, uh, claim to the promise of God it is because of Jesus and it is hope that gets us to that place of expectation of advent that God is holding all of this his son everything is awaiting us if we have that expectation that God came was our savior and not only that but is our hope of salvation and so Timothy in in this passage what you see is God setting up an understanding that that hope isn't just something that, that is given of, of our own ability or, or uh, our way of thinking that we think up hope, but hope is something that God bestows upon us through his son. Now, three attributes. Number one is to understand that hope, first and foremost, is the way. Capital H-O-P-E, capital, capital W-A-Y, right? Hope is the way. 
Hope is Christ. Christ is hope. And because of that, we can trust that when God sent his son, that that hope was exactly why he sent him. We can seize that, take hold of that. Listen to what John 1, 1 through 4 says. To, to understand that Jesus is hope and hope is the way, John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. You and I, you know, well, my mom and dad made me by God's design and by God's creation in them to produce you, to make you. Amen? And so to understand here that it goes on and it says, through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that had been made, has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. When we think about lighting the candle of hope, it's understanding that the hope we have is because Jesus is the light of the world. And when he came into this world, light came into darkness. The Bible says that the darkness did not comprehend it, right? He can't overcome it. Light is going to go where light goes and darkness has to flee. You know, uh, these lights that are up here, you could black this room out and, and have one little light in the room and everybody's attention would be drawn to that light. It's exactly what happened. The, the earth was uh, uh, covered with darkness, filled with darkness. And what happens, Jesus comes in the world, light comes in the world and, and draws all men to himself. Dispels darkness, drives darkness out. Every one of us in our own lives have, have contended with darkness. We've contended with Contended with, uh, you know, thoughts of anger or malice, greed, lust. We've all had those kind of temptations and, and, and the sins that have overcome us. Uh, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But praise be to God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the light so that it could shine in the darkness in our life and bring light where it comes. That it can actually drive out darkness, right, and cause us to be as he is. Listen to John 14 and 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hope is the way. If we have any hope, it's because Christ is the way and he brings hope with us. Again, that light that comes in, what happens is it all of a sudden causes this swell of hope inside of us that we can have a relationship with God when we didn't think we could. How many of you, before you gave your life to Christ and you heard the message of Christ and you heard how righteous God is and you heard all those things and you thought, well, if I could just clean myself up a little, maybe God could accept me then. Come on now. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. And we've all, I, I know when I came to cry, I thought, well, I got to get this right and I get this right. Let, let me get light in so that, so that the light would accept me. No, light has to come in, and through that light, through that hope that Christ is, God accepts me through his son. I cannot get to God unless I come through Jesus Christ. He is the way. If I have any hope, I've got to embrace the way of God. Amen? So I would say to you, under hope is the way, expect Christ then to be your way of hope. There's a lot of things you can put your hope in, but they don't lead to eternal life. Expect that Christ, he is going to come and be your way of hope this Christmas season. Amen. Number two, a second attribute, hope comes our way. So he is hope and that hope comes our way. John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's not just truth, he's grace. You know, it, it's kind of like this, that it, um, the Holy Spirit will come, he will convict us of, of sin. What does he do? Of truth and of righteousness is what he's convicting us of. And in that conviction, what happens is he's also the one that, that uh, if you will, puts on display or, or makes known to us, gives us a revelation of God's grace, which is that open invitation to come and live in that truth. As I read before, he's the truth, the way, and the life. And for us, we need the truth of God, but we also need the grace of God to be able to embrace that truth. Hope comes our way. God sent his son into this earth for us. Titus 2.13 gives us a a very good picture of this. It says, for uh, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, understand, while we wait, we wait in expectation of that hope that's coming. But understand that, that... that thousands of years had gone by where people waited. Christmas, we celebrate that the Son of God came into the earth. Expectation. They had an expectation. Messiah is going to come one day. Mary had an expectation, right? Think about it. She had grown up a, a good little Jewish girl. We, the Bible says that she was pure. She was righteous in the sense that she followed the decrees of the Lord. And she did everything that the scriptures commanded to do. She was favored, uh, grace, say grace. Grace is God's favor, unmerited favor for that matter. And to understand that, that when uh, the angel appears to her, right, there's a Hail Mary, right? She's full of grace. God's favor is upon her. And, and not only is God's favor upon her to accept her, but God's favor is upon her to work through her. Come on, somebody. And boy, did God work through her. <laughs> right? She conceives a child by the Holy Spirit. And she brings forth this baby, wrapped in swallowing clothes, laid in a manger. What is she doing? She is giving birth to hope for all mankind. She's the vessel of hope, right? The, the, the hope that is the way that mankind might come to salvation. That is a hope that came to the world and, and obviously first came to Mary. Come on, somebody. Living on the inside of her, was a little bundle of hope. Come on now. I know, we, a little bundle of joy. We can do that in, in, in two more weeks because we'll light the candle of joy. Right? But Jesus was a little bundle of hope, man. Wrapped up. Laid in that manger. For all mankind to be able to have hope of salvation. Not just that hope, though. But one saved would have the hope of being received again unto God for all eternity. Listen to what it says here. That we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second coming. We are in, we are in an advent. We are in a waiting, a holding pattern, if you will, to wait for him to come again. But we celebrate. We look back on what he has done when he came. 
when hope came into the world, but we look forward to that great and blessed hope that will come again. So uh, uh, in this, expect the hope of, of Christ to come your way. This Christmas season, expect the hope of Christ to come your way. I don't know what challenges you might be facing that can rob the hope that Christ gives you. You know, I don't know the, the mountains you feel like you're climbing right now, the mountain of, of unity in your marriage, the, the mountain of, of uh, you know, your, your kids honoring you and, 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 and living godly and so on and doing well. I, maybe it's the mountain of, of facing a boss or an employee or there could be all kinds of issues that you have that, that have a way of just eroding or stealing your hope. But I want you to know that none of those things are greater than Christ. But you got to give him place. you got to see him as hope in your life. And then what you also have to do is you have to extend to him that invitation to come your way. I love, uh, I heard a preacher one time say that God is a gentleman. God, his, his greatest uh, interaction with us comes by invitation. And I don't know anyone that invites someone to come into their life without some expectation. Come on now. How many of you have relationships and you have no expectation of relationships whatsoever? See, that's what can lead to the greatest disappointment or lack of hope. Disappointment, lack of hope in our life is that we've had expectations and we feel let down in those expectations. There's no relationship we're in. Now, I get the unconditional love that we should have for one another, but you cannot tell me that you're in a marriage and you don't have an expectation of your spouse. Come on now. You're all quiet. Husbands, let me just ask, does your wife have an expectation of you? Wives, do your husbands have an expectation of you? Moms and dads, do you have an expectation of your children? Children, do your moms and dads have an expectation of you? (laughs) I just looked at somebody and you're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Yes, we have those expectations. Let me say this. It's okay to have an expectant heart towards God. We can't can't hope to see him move in our life if we don't approach him in in a way of expectation in our heart. That expectation connects us to the hope that Christ came to give. And when I say expectation, see, that kind of leads us into a place of hope. Notice from, from our text in Titus now that there are two appearings of Christ, one called an appearing of grace, the other called an appearing of glory. Go back to that passage. Can you go back to that passage real quick? So right here, from the grace of God, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Watch, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. There's, there's two expectations there. There's, there's two, if you will, appearings of Christ in that passage. The appearing of grace and the appearing of Christ in all of his glory. See, that first appearance, humble, right? What's a little baby going to, I mean, a little baby's just going to go, okay, I'm the son of God, I'm the king of kings, the Lord of lords, everybody needs to bow before me. Come on now. God comes in the most humble state, in the most humble place. Come on. Not even a place for him at the end, but, but in a dirty, smelly manger. Come on now. 
He comes in the most humble way to redeem mankind, but make no mistake about it, he'll come in the most glorious way for us to experience a hope of glory. Amen? And so, uh, I want to read this to you. So verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared for salvation of all men. Let me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That wasn't for some, that was for all. But not all will embrace that. It's God's hope that mankind will embrace that, but not all will. It is only the second hope or the second uh, uh, manifestation of that scripture is only experienced, though, by those who place their hope in him now. We can't have a hope of his return if we don't have hope here and now in what he's done for us. The third attribute is that hope makes a way. Hope makes a way. Hope is the way. Hope comes our way. And hope makes a way. Romans fifteen twelve says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Isaiah 43 and 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. So uh, in the root of Jesse, it, the root of Jesse will spring up. You understand that the lineage of Jesus, when you got Mary conceiving this child, all the lineage that we read, when we go read the book of Matthew and we're reading through it, and we're like, and such and such begets such and such and such and such begets such and such and such and such. Come on now, anybody ever read that part in the scripture? You're thinking, what does this matter for? It's establishing his lineage. Now, now take the New Testament, you read that, but now go back in the Old Testament. And David, the son of, right, Jesse, that's what this is speaking to. So uh, we know that Jesus is in the lineage of David. And therefore, he's in the lineage of Jesse. And that's what this prophecy is saying, that the Messiah, right? Let me read it again. Uh, so see, I'm now, uh, or excuse me, let's do the first one, Romans 15, 12. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. You've got to understand that promise to Abraham, all the, the successive relationships the lineage as it goes from Abraham down from one generation to the next to the next to the next is manifesting God's plan to reveal the hope of mankind right and so that root springs up and all of a sudden that branch grows and then on Isaiah 43 in verse 19 see I'm doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland let me say this That's a hopeless place. Anybody ever been in a wilderness? Anybody ever been in a wasteland? Who here's ever deployed to the desert and done a tour? You know, I did some of that, and I got to tell you, that's not a place I'd like to hang out. Because it seems like a hopeless place to dwell. But what God's saying is that he'll bring hope in those wastelands, those desert places of our life. He is going to cause it to spring up. When there's a hope in Christ, he comes into your life. There is hope for your marriage. There is hope for your family. There is hope for your finances. There's hope for your health. There's hope for everything that you could ever think of. God gave Jesus so that we could have that kind of hope. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 6. Now, before we read this, uh, let me say this. Before we read this passage, 
we've been, so here's Abraham, the lineage of Abraham. We're talking about the history of Abraham, how he believed for the promise. And, and, and in hope, he hoped. Uh, all those things that we've talked about is to understand that when you read Hebrews chapter 11, it starts to speak about how Abraham, you know, that he had faith, right? And that faith was because of the hope. He placed faith in God because God gave him a promise, and that promise uh, produced a hope inside of him that then led to faith. And, and, and Hebrews 11 talks about all the other people in the lineage, if you will, that comes down through generation after generation, and how they too had hope that led to a faith in God and brought about God's promise to them. That's all passed down to us. And it gets to this place in Hebrews 11, and this is 1 through 6, and it says this, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> you got to understand that basically that everything was formed out of God's word. In the beginning was the word, it was with God, and the word was God, and, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. Everything about God is when he speaks his word, it speaks things into existence. When you get that understanding about your God, all of a sudden, there's not a situation in your life that's impossible. All you need is a word from God. Amen? All you need is a word from God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm not talking just reading a scripture. I'm talking about that when we uh, read the scripture and we meditate upon that scripture and that when, when Logos, written word, we're reading something that's been written down and as we read it, we're calling on God to produce in us something that's living. Now the word's alive, but is it alive in us? Is it alive in you today? But when you read the word and you call upon God and ask him to make it alive in you, not just the fact that, that when he spoke it, it's alive, but the fact that it's meant to produce life in you. Then when you do that, and all of a sudden, Logos becomes a rhema. You feel that the God's spirit, you hear the voice of God, and he speaks to you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Who's got, let me see your Bible, bro. How many of you agree right now? There's just a lot of words in here from God. Amen? Whole lot of word. How many of you could say, yeah, I believe every bit of that, and it's producing exactly what it says in my life? Come on, anybody? Raise your hand. How many of you want that? Give me an amen. I want that. But you got to understand that it's got to get off the pages and into your heart and be inspired by the Holy Spirit so that what it can do is it can create just like the worlds were formed and created, as I just read, that it was formed and created by God's word. That you are formed and you're created by God's words. The very initial creation in the Garden of Eden, when God sets things forth, and that each, that, 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 that each um, uh, everything he produced, everything he made, would produce after its kind. You know, anybody ever see an oak tree produce a poplar tree? Anybody ever see an orange tree produce an apple tree? Anyone? Y'all with me this morning? <laughs> no, we haven't seen that. Why? Because the, the seed is held within what God created and therefore bears fruit after, uh, reproduces according to its kind. Here's what I want to ask you. If you've been saved or you produced 
in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. And if you are, not only does Jesus bring you hope, but wherever you go, the hope of Christ inside of you starts to produce hope in the people around you. Amen? That can't come without faith. Abraham believing passed something down to us. David believing passed something down to us. Let me say Mary believing passed something down to us. And our believing will pass something down to the generations who come. And I want to say that is the hope of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Hope makes a way. Expect the hope you have in Christ to make a way. Expect Advent hope. Expect the hope, right? Look, he he is hope. He he comes to, to bring us hope. And if, if we have an expectation of that hope working in us, guess what it's going to do? It's going to work in us. Abraham had an expectation that that hope would work. And you know what it did for him? It worked. All I know is he was over 100 years old when they had their kid that God promised them. Anybody in here had a kid at 100? <laughs> they had a child at 100 years old, older than that, him and Sarah. They have that child, and that child, Isaac, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ because Abraham believed. I wonder, the generations that follow us, the people that are around us, the people we'll spend Christmas with, with, will they have faith? Because there's faith in us. I want to show you another example. If I was to take here and, and come up on this side of the stage and say, all right, over here, um, there are many things we want to see happen in our life. Again, in our, in our relationships, our marriages, our families, our, our work, all the different things that we see and, and interact with every day. But you got to know that those things that you see, it, it's not what produces your future. It's the unseen that produces your future. You can hope for something, but you have to understand that without God, that hope is empty. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that made you. Think about Think about it this way, that when you, you think about the creative miracles that Jesus did in the Bible, you know, when people were in a hopeless situation and all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene, or, or for that matter, anyone who would speak the word of God with faith, that all of a sudden it began to produce something for the people around them, even for themselves. It, will ha- it, it all started with they had a hope in the promise that God has made to them, Right? but they don't necessarily see the result yet. So there's a chasm. If I was to say on this side, here I am, and then there's this, 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 this chasm that lies to get to the other side. You have to understand that, that while you have a hope for something, it is faith that's the bridge, if you will, that will cross over that chasm. It's what you're hoping for and you don't see, and then all of a sudden you land on the other side of it, and, and you're in a place that you never were because God got you there. Faith is what carries you over those places, right, of, 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 of what you hope for. It carries you through doubt and unbelief. It gets you on the other side of it so that you can experience the best that God has to offer you. And why is that important? I've done this many times. By show of hand. How many of you wake up in the morning and you think, man, I I hope my life doesn't go well. I hope my marriage falls apart. I hope my kids, you know, 
are sick. I hope anybody wake up with that kind of hope in your life. But how many of you have those kind of things that may be going on? That's the chasm I'm talking about where you want to see a different result in your life. And what I'm telling you is by God's promise to you about all those areas of your life, you can have hope. And if you have hope, what happens is, is there's a point where hope starts to, that trust in God, hope starts to cause you to say, God, I don't, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like what you promised, but my hope is in you. And because my hope's in you, God, I'm asking you that you'll give me faith. How many of you remember the father who had a, an epileptic, his son had epilepsy. His son would throw himself in the fire. And Jesus is off in a wilderness place and he's praying. What is he doing? He's connecting with God. He's allowing, he's, he was all man, he was all God, but he had to go away and he had to pray and he had to spend time with God so that he's filled up. He had to fill up his flesh with God. Come on, somebody. The Bible says he was tempted in every way we're tempted. That means he had to spend time with God to overcome those temptations. It's like, well, Jesus had it easier than us. Anybody want to tell Jesus that? Come on now. He did not have it easier. He just knew how to connect with the Father. And as a result, he didn't stay in hope. What happened was his hope produced a faith in him. And that faith always carried him over. The disciples, the disciples actually pray for this boy and nothing happens. Jesus comes from the wilderness place where he's seeking God and praying with God. And he comes uh, upon this situation, and what he does is he, he, he begins to, he says to the disciples, oh, you have little faith, you know. And then what he does is he prays for the boy, and the boy is healed. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm that father, I just got a lesson in hope and faith. He's hoping. Jesus asked him, do you believe? You know what he responded to Jesus? He said, I believe. I have faith. Help me in mind, but help me. I have faith. I have a measure of faith or I wouldn't be asking you to do this. But help me where I don't have the faith that I need. Help me in my unbelief. And let me tell you, hope's the only thing that will cause you to say to God, Lord, this is what I'm seeking. This is what I'm asking for in my life, in my family. I believe. I have hope for what you've promised. But Lord, there's a chasm. There's still a gap. Help me where I don't believe. Lord, speak your word to me. Let me be like Mary. Be it unto me according to your word. Mary had faith for what God said because she was willing to listen to what he was saying. And as a result, each and every one of us through Mary have a hope every Christmas season that we can reflect back on. And it was all because Mary, inside herself, she had that hope to live for God and he shows up in her life. And what a miracle. What a miracle that came forth as a result of hope mixed with faith, a willingness to obey what God says. Amen. See, Abraham had uh, no hope until God, if you will, the God of hope came to him. He had no hope until the God of hope came to him. Abraham believed God, and that hope ignited a faith that made a way where there seemed to be no way. The world lacks hope. We human beings, we, we have this clamoring, you know. I, I don't know anybody go out for Black Friday. Go out and fill up. We 
fill our life with stuff, things, addictions. Come on, we fill our life with those things. But let me say this, that where we open ourselves up and invite Christ to come, he'll give us a hope that will take us into a way of life that's more fulfilling than anything, anything in this world could ever offer us. Amen. Let me close this morning and pray with you. Would you stand to your feet? Hallelujah, Father. I thank you for your people. Lord, I speak life and liberty and blessing, God, over them. Jesus, you are the way of hope. It's the reason you came, to give all mankind hope. And Lord, I pray in in the mighty name of Jesus that each and every one of us would would see that, that your hope comes and it does make a way in our life. Things that we may be overwhelmed with, God, uh, your hope has come so that it can lift the burden. So, Father, I pray this morning that each of us would respond to you. We'd come unto you where we are weary and heavy laden, and you would give us rest, Lord, and that we would know that, Lord, that's not an empty hope. We don't have an empty hope that you can do that in our life. But, Lord, we are filled with a hope that you came to do exactly what you said you came to do. So we receive that this morning. I bless your people. We're going to speak life, God, into their marriages. I speak life into their families. And God, I pray this Christmas season, as we begin to reflect on what you did in the first Advent, Lord, we do that rejoicing of the the Advent of, of your return. And Lord, that we'll give you honor, we'll give you glory. If, Father, the food, the presents, all the things we'll do together, that, God, they would be, um, Father, a uh, second place, Lord, to all that we have in you. I pray that moms and dads in the night, through the Christmas season, and the kids go to bed, they'd say prayers of blessing over them. God, uh, that they'd say prayers of blessing over one another. God, your people would begin to see you moving and working in their life in a greater way than, Lord, we've all experienced thus far. So, Father, I pray over your people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his countenance to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. May he give you peace. May he give you hope in this Christmas season. got to know that in this room today there are people who those those battles and those challenges of things that are stealing their hope I know they're here and I pray God that they leave today and that Lord they do not do not Father God give in but Lord they take a hold of what your word declares for their life I'm going to get a little personal God, where there be the fighting and disagreements between husbands and wives. God, the hurts and offenses that have carried on for years or, or even, Father, for days. God, I pray that you would clean the slate for them. That God, forgiveness would wash over them. Father, wives would feel loved by their husbands. Husbands would feel 
loved by their wives, that there would be a mutual respect, God, that honors you in the marriage. It's one of the greatest examples of Christ and his church. He's the groom and we're the bride. Christ so loved the church, he laid his life down for her. God, I pray that husbands would lay their lives down for their wives. And that God, that we reverence Christ because of his sacrifice. I pray, God, that wives would respect, would reverence their husbands. And that God, that there would be such a unity and peace, God, that comes over marriages this Christmas season and leads into this next year. Father, marriages, Father, husbands and wives would declare that truly the end of 2019 was a miracle in our relationship. And 2020 is a reflection of God's grace and glory and a hope that is manifested through faith, the promise of God towards us. I pray these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, God.